Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to some fascinating and very smart guests. Why? Because they do things with technology that I can't even pronounce most of the time. Uh, but they're really here to not only talk about what they do, but about their journeys as entrepreneurs and business owners and how those things can collide. And my guest now is going to talk about something, not only about his business, but I think about how we can look at our own businesses different. You might not be a client of his, but I bet you he can teach us how to take some good looks at our business, especially with software solutions, and come up with some different ways to organize what we do. So let me tell you a little bit about him. And my guest today is Bob Armbruster, and he serves as president and CEO of a company called Spark Businessworks. Now, what is it? It's a business-first team that designs and builds custom software solutions, specifically in manufacturing, construction, healthcare, and professional services. So he probably can give us a, a thing or two to learn about. Now, he leans on his 15 years of executive experience to implement the Spark way. It's an approach of practical innovation that helps business leaders like us and others build tech that actually, get this, gets adopted and also delivers ROI quickly. So we know that the best tech doesn't mean anything if nobody uses it. And the only way to get ROI, use it and make sure that we're using it appropriately. And so to do that, Spark specializes in custom software, strategic design, business dashboards, data integration. If you think it can be uh, integrated and, and created in software, I bet he knows how to do it. Now, he was recently selected as a 40 under 40 leader by the Grand Rapids Business Journal, and Spark was named to the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing private companies. Also, Michigan 50 companies to watch lists. I think they've got a few things going right for them. And it's also a nationally recognized firm for helping companies build and adopt technology solutions that result in actual practical innovation. So that means it results in new opportunities. So joining me today from Kalamazoo in Michigan, I love just saying it, is Bob. Thank you for being with us today, Bob. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. I've spent, a, I've spent my fair share of time in Kalamazoo. I used yeah. to spend a lot of time in Michigan. It's a fun little town. Yeah, it does exist, right? Uh, most people are like, yeah, there is a Kalamazoo. So... <laughs> Oh, it always makes me uh, think of playing the kazoo. I don't know. Right. Why. I think it sounds similar. I think it's also in the end of the day, so I might get a little punchy. Right? So. It's okay. <laughs> Hold so, on. Bob, there's a lot in your bio and a lot that you do. And I know you have offices all over the place. So tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and how what you do at Spark helps companies to shock their potential. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, my, you know, my background has kind of always been entrepreneurial I was you know you know the middle school kid that was mowing all the lawns and shoveling all the snow right for an extra dollar or two um, you know and, and got into technology when I was I think when high school I was kind of the IT guy and you know I think one of my friend's dad 
owned a company and had me build his website. And that was kind of my first, well, I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. Um, and so, yeah, my, my kind of career had always been, you know, biz, a business first technology mindset. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And had some, had some, my own startups early on found every single way to not build software uh, <laughs> on my own dime. And uh, those are some tough lessons to learn. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, and so eventually I found, you know, geez, I, you know, everyone keeps coming to me uh, to build stuff. And uh, if I can help save them the pain that I felt for all those years, uh, we can make a, a positive impact. So, uh, so that's kind of, you know, what, what we're doing at Spark, we're, we're building a, a company that, uh, you know, I just, we just had an all company call earlier and trying to rhyme, remind the team, like the goal of this company is to build a company that you would want a family member or friend to work at. Oh, that's nice. right. Like, how many times do people go home and, and celebrate the place they work to their, right? to their significant other, right? No, they typically go home and say, this place is awful. They're doing all this horrible stuff. They don't get it. And so, you know, we set the bar high and, and everyone um, has a part of that culture. And, and um, so, yeah, we're, we're helping clients um, mostly in, in the small middle market mm-hmm. uh, make good decisions around technology. And um, most of the time it, uh, we integrate other tools or maybe we build some stuff custom. Um, and we, uh, we can also help on, on the marketing side too. We, we just acquired a, a digital marketing agency so we could help our clients with that side of their technology strategy, because that's getting more and more rolled into that, the overall technology uh, roadmap for organizations. So yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we have offices spread out. We got a team spread out as well. Uh, we were remote first before COVID. <laughs> So it wasn't much of a, you know, we, we do have physical office spaces that we, we try to visit as much as, as possible, but uh, we're not going to let any great talent not join the team if they're not uh, near one of our physical spaces. So, yeah, that's that's our team. Personally, I have uh, a wife, four kids, four boys. So I, we usually call my house, you know, the frat house. It's a little <laughs> crazy. It's a little wild. Um, so it, it's fun. So that's that's all about me and, and the business. Wow. So four boys, what are their ages? Uh, so right now it's nine, seven, six, and three. At the oh, end of September, wife. it'll be an even 10, eight, six, four. So oh my gosh, your wife is a saint, isn't she? <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, she gets lots of girls trips and lots of vacations to, to escape us for sure. Just tell me, tell me you don't also have a male dog because she needs to have oh, no. something. <laughs> right. She has two, yeah, two Westie dogs that are both female. So those are hers, okay. right? And that gets her the, the female fix. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love the fact, um, too, that you it wasn't, you know, part of what we plan to talk about. But I, I just want to focus on this for a moment. I love the fact that you said two things. Number one, that you want to make your company a place that other people, you know, would be proud to have their friends and family work at. That's that's a really great visualization. But I also love the fact you said, yep, we have physical offices. We try and go there, we try and get there, but we don't want to lose anyone just because they are not physically near one of our offices. And I think it's such an exciting time in the world today. Businesses are struggling a lot with this question of virtual, not hybrid, you know, what's going to work, what's going to not. And there's some situations where, you know, you, you have to be all together, but there are so many more opportunities to have people live more rich and full lives by living where they want and can live and being able to have access to opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And it's, you know, I think that's a really powerful statement of what you're trying to build. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And we want to build 
you know, something that's flexible. And, you know, I, I mean, I have four kids, right. So I want people to, I want my team to be able to spend as much time and not miss a baseball game or not miss, you know, a recital or, um, you know, so you know, having that flexibility, I think is key. And, uh, I think making sure your team, I'm no, no better than anyone else on the team. So if, if I get that flexibility, they should have it too. And, um, I think we, we built an amazing team that way. I love it. Now, so let's talk a little bit more about what you do specifically, because I'm really curious. So um, to your point about, you know, not every, uh, you know, technology tool out there is helpful. Some will make you want to pull your hair out. You know, I don't know how many different, you know, task management softwares I've gone through with my team because my entire team is virtual. They're all in Kenya, actually. So we even have, a you know, a couple other, uh, you know, distance challenges. But um, but I'm curious about you know what you do, and I know before we started taping, you said that you do a lot of work in the construction space. I know that was in your bio too, but can you talk a little bit about what kind of things you do create for these businesses and what it means for them? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, where where we really thrive with our clients on on the custom side, and we do a lot of marketing automation and, and things of that nature too. But when when a firm has um, run out of options off the shelf. Hey, we've tried three time entry tools and it's just not, or, Hey, we've tried three project management tools or, Hey, we run our business and we do this certain thing with our clients every quarter. And there's no tool out there that helps us do that. That's typically what we end up building for clients um, is, you know, what I kind of say is we help amplify their competitive advantage. So, um, you know, at, at Spark, we have a certain way, when it comes to software of giving clients regular updates and, and tracking and being transparent and there's nothing off the shelf. So obviously we built our own tool, right? Um, other, other times clients might say, Hey, relationships are key to our business. This is how we keep clients. This is how we expand it. And none of these CRM tools out there will do things the exact way we want. Hey, we've tried this, we've tried that. Um, and so we'll come into those situations with the client and we'll, uh, we'll do an assessment phase of, okay, what other options are out there? What other tools are you using? Is custom the right way? Here's what it could look like. Um, and most of the time, um, clients are finding, you know, six to 18 month return on investment, right? So mm -hmm. custom software, traditionally, it's, it's expensive, right? Uh, relative right. to buying something off the shelf. Um, but we've found, you know, ways where, you know, instead of building you know, you're using 20% of a tool, you're paying 100% for it, you're building 20% of a, a tool. So a lot of times clients have found ways to make it work, um, especially if we're fixing a business problem. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that the results are really easy, typically back a napkin type ROI. And uh, yeah. so yeah, so those are those are the kind of things I mean, we do websites, we do marketing automation, e commerce, all of that. Um, and all of it's business, business focused, right? So even our marketing efforts that, that we provide clients, it's all results driven. Uh, I think that's the biggest challenge that a lot of software firms and stuff kind of forget about. Like you could make the best software in the world, but if it's not being used or, or producing a result, uh, it doesn't matter how beautiful the code is and, um, and what you did. So that's kind yeah. of the approach. Um, it's, um, it's really interesting to me. We've been I, I was trying to think the other day, like how many different tools that we use just within my organization for like same thing, everything from CRM to time management to, you know, uh, to task driven to some other things that we actually use and, and products that we support for our clients also. And sometimes I'm like, you know, 
you just get into a habit with some of them. You know, we've used it. I know how to do that thing. Sure. I'm probably not using this to all the advantage of it. So maybe I end up with another tool that could have been doing the other thing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. every once in a while, as I'm having business discussions with my husband, he's like, um, so how many things are you using? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, dozens. <laughs> Most really... companies have dozens of, of tools. Yeah. Um, and which is fine. I mean, that they're great. And I mean, we do it too. We have several, you know, we obviously, we're a software company. We have all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. But the, the, what we see companies focusing on are, are those, you know, why companies choose them mm-hmm. is typically their competitive advantage or their differentiator. And that's typically where we see people investing to secure yeah. that because that's really yeah. the core. But all the other stuff, accounting tools and, yeah. you know, simple things. Yeah. Buy the low cost provider and subscribe and get it done. But uh, when the core of the business needs protected, so. Well, it also makes me think about how many things I've done trials on, you know, and then I'm like, what is that? I don't even remember what that name was. You know, like, yep. I have a quiz software that I use now, but I think I probably have, you know, 10 trials of different quiz software that's, that we've been using. And I'm like, which, wait, which one is the name of the one that I actually right. use and decided to pay for? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. So when you first meet with a client, um, and especially, you know, in some of these business critical areas, obviously, when you first meet with somebody and you're helping them to kind of decide what they need, how, how does that process work? How do you help them to, you know, tell you what they need so that you can really create something, especially if you're doing something custom, that's going to solve their business issue? Yeah. So we have, we have a whole playbook that we, that we use with clients and, uh, it always involves stake, uh, various stakeholders. Um, you know where most where most technology failure occurs is when you know there's a closed door room and there's you know the leadership team is constructing something and then they try to roll it out to you know the the field and all yep. of a sudden the field is like what is this right um, you know there's technical terms you know it's it's called user centered design or design thinking. Um, and we always kind of, we always suggest we bring in the most technically difficult user that the company has, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the, the person we typically, most people would want to avoid. Um, mm-hmm. We try to bring them in and uh, starting, you know, I can break down the play um, process a little at a high level. Um, it's starting with the, the where and the why, where are you trying to go and why? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times people will be working on technology projects and will say, why are you doing that one? And they don't even know why. Well, it's because you know, Jim in accounting is the squeaky wheel. And so now we're doing that work yeah. um, when really it didn't align with the business. So we always ask clients, where are you going and why? Are you trying to double in five years? Are you trying to stay the same and get more efficient? So where are you going and why? And that's important because they need to communicate that to their stakeholders when we're trying right. to help the roadmap, right? And then typically from there, you know, you look at, um, okay, if you're trying to go there, the order of importance typically can, can get figured out and then getting all that stakeholder input. Um, from all the different aspects. Um, and then when everybody understands the destination and the why, you'd be surprised at how, you know, people can kind of understand and, and fall into uh, consensus around things where before they might have been, that maybe that wasn't clear. So they're kind of fighting for their own territories. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that process along with understanding the current environment, their options, um, and then putting together a roadmap and eating the elephant one bite at a time. So we always say never, never just build for a few months and roll a year and then roll something out. 
what's the smallest minimally viable product that we can roll out that's going to impact the business positively, start there, um, and then and then iterate from that. And uh, using those types of you know methodologies is how uh, try to reduce risk. Right, risk in a software mm-hmm. project is scope yeah. creep, budget. It's, yeah. Is it going to get adopted? And if you can bring everyone to the table early on, get support, bring in all those difficult users, the ones that are going to, you know, shoot everything down, bring them in, ask them why this won't work, make them part of the process. Now they're going to be promoting it when it gets rolled out. Um, So all that kind of stuff seems obvious, but it's so easy to not (laughs) do any of that stuff and just, hey, this looks good. Let's use it. Uh, No, Mm -hmm. you got to you got to be diligent to stay on the right path there. Absolutely. And it's hard, especially, you know, like you said, especially things like scope creep are so, uh, they happen without even recognizing it at times. Like somebody says, oh yeah. And wouldn't it be great if it could also do this and put foam on my latte. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) We're not, wait, wait, let's back up. (laughs) Six months later, you got a latte machine in the middle of your CRM and you're like, that's not how we were supposed to do this. (laughs) Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, it's really about organizational change. I mean, tech, I mean, sure, we're a software firm, but what we're really doing is we're, we're helping people with change. It's change management, yeah. really, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's typically technology is the easy part. That is so true. The human beings, that's where it really comes. I love it. Bob, we're going to take a quick break. We are going to hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then Shock Your Media Potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Bob Armbruster, and I almost called you Barb again. I don't know why. I think it's, I'm still panicked about saying your last name correctly. <laughs> You're starting too soon. You're getting the Armbruster. You're getting the A in there too soon. Take your time. <laughs> exactly. But, um, I, you know, as you were talking, I was I could not help but have a flashback, a very painful flashback of uh, several years ago, I was, I got pulled back into corporate America to, to, uh, to go to work. Um, and part of my role was to help uh, where we had like 30 different businesses that were all under one umbrella, but all operating independently and all on different um, CRMs. 
And, you know, and, and all that that entailed because it also entailed, you know, payment software and ordering software, you know, ordering oh, yeah. uh, process and all these things. And so somebody said, well, we're going to hire the team to create one software that does everything we need. And we're going to try and make everybody happy. Like we're talking about like a thousand people. And it was just, it was a complete, complete disaster complete and utter disaster. And I hadn't been worried about it because I managed at the time the largest uh, business unit. So mine was supposed to be the last one brought in. Okay. And as, as things changed, they changed. So as the, there were four vice presidents. And uh, so I was one and they decided instead of that, let's just give each of the VPs a quarter of the US. So now that we had all these different business units and I ended up with the first one to on day one of my new territory, I also went day one of our new software. And it was, I had people quitting. I, oh gosh. I had, I felt like I, if somebody had tomatoes in their pockets, they would have been throwing them at me. Oh, man. At it. And yeah. it was such a disaster. And it wasn't even that the, the software was a complete disaster because it wasn't. It was because of just what you were talking about is that there hadn't been enough prep work to help people understand the change. Buy into Why the change. are we doing this? Yes. You know, to learn about it, to have, you know, I mean, there were sample people that had, you know, uh, what do uh, I can't. Yeah. Like beta users. Adopters. Beta, yeah. Early adopters. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Early yeah. adopters, all that. And so we had that, but not enough. And so the, the stress that happened to that organization, I mean, it just stopped us in our tracks. And in a sales organization, that is death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bet, you know, when you're when you're doing this, I'm assuming you've learned better and better over time how to really help people so that they don't have that moment of panic and then just stop. Um, but it's but it can happen at every level of the organization. Yeah, we see that a lot in in kind of our the middle market companies that we help that are maybe they're private equity owned um, or and they have multiple regions. Uh, and that can be really difficult because at, at a corporate level, you want some standardization. Mm-hmm. But then regionally, the businesses are ran differently, um, yeah. especially in like in the Midwest versus the coast. Um, yep. And so when, when, when we're engaging with those types of clients, it's really about understanding the needs of all those stakeholders mm-hmm. from the board and the C-level to the local businesses and how they're ran. And you can build software that works and solves the problems for all those stakeholders while rolling it up into a standard environment. Right. But if you're, if you take the wrong approach or a different approach um, and you're just focused on that, the end result of standardization at all, at all costs, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to really lose on the culture side. Right. So right. we say that the fuel to, to some of this journey on some of these projects are, are culture and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can burn through both of them yeah. <laughs> at different rates. Right. You can just, you can use your money and just get right to the finish line and roll something out, but yeah. you're going to, you're going to waste a bunch of culture. Um, so yeah, we, there's, sounds like they took that, that same approach there with, burning through the culture goodness oh absolutely and you know i mean i i was on the phone i don't know probably until midnight you know that first day and telling people all right we can still place orders on paper (laughs) we can call the manufacturer to order it we could actually wait a day so we could work with one of our other partners somewhere else in the country that's on the old system you know let's take some deep breaths 
Oh, it was, it was terribly disruptive. And to your point, what was so, um, people felt um, like abused. They felt disrespected. You know, yeah, they, they felt, weren't listened to. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things where you're just like sitting back going, this is going to have long-term repercussions because then let's say you even fix it. And it got fixed actually pretty quickly. But then it's like you're, you know, you're jittery, you know, so the yeah, next you time lost that trust new, and right. So we had a, we had a customer that was, was uh, buying these, uh, a certain type of medical practice, like endodontics um, mm-hmm. facilities. And the traditional approach for, for some of these were to, to buy them and then move them on to their own, their, their centralized platform. And that costs a lot in obviously fees of licensing fees and stuff, but it also costs a lot in training and all this. They took a different approach and, and we came in and what they said was we want to, you know, we want to grow through the acquisitions, but we don't want to change the core systems at these places. We want to keep their businesses running smoothly. We want you to just make sure that everything that comes to us as an organization above these individual regions looks the same and is standard, right? Really cool approach. I think more, yeah firms are, are looking at that as an option because sure, maybe it, it might, well, depending on cost, it might be about the same, but um, the cultural, mm, you know, impact and business continuity and, and things. So, you know, there are ways for, for businesses to take a second approach. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to just be, a, you know, cut everybody over to one system and burn the boats behind you and <laughs> commit. <laughs> Right. Think about the different stakeholders and, and, you know, take a different approach. That's, and that's, it's such a great example because that's very much, we, we were in the hearing aid business. So we, all these different hearing aid, individual companies and practices, you know, one company that had, you know, 200 offices and another that had two offices and everybody's operating differently. And so, yes, and the decision was made, we all need to use one software. We had, and we're gonna just create one. We're not gonna use one that anybody else is and we're gonna make it you know, what we want it to do. But you're right, the, the impact on that was so negative, but what a beautiful approach from this client of yours to say, here's our problem. We don't wanna disrupt it. We also don't wanna um, you know, turn them off from now the part that they're part of a big corporation. We want them to feel like they, felt before, but we do need to have information come to us one way. That's a different kind of pro- problem to have. And it's a really, that's a very like loving way. I'd loving the best word I can come up with. Loving right. way to try and try and see if you can find a solution. Were you, were you able to yeah. find what they needed? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. We were, um, we gave them everything they needed. And now there's a time and place where you do, where it's like, hey, we do have to get on one platform. So I don't want anybody that's ever listened to this to think I'm not that kind of guy. Because there no, are because the right time. Of, yeah, because there are certain times and places where it's like, <laughs> oh no, you guys are all doing it the you know different ways than we need to. Um, but like there are other doing it the wrong way, but then you right. caught yourself. <laughs> I know I caught myself. Um, but there, there are times and places where you know we have a we have a construction client that has 20 different regions. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And they wanted to roll out one time entry tool on their phone mm-hmm. for all of their team members. But across those 20 locations, they had certain people driving trucks, certain people doing drywall, certain people running a team, certain people in a trailer, certain people. So it's like, wow, um, we do need to use one system, but there right. might be 10 different ways to enter your time. 
Oh yeah. And that's really the difference. That's really listening to your stakeholders. Cause from a technology standpoint, Hey, okay. This person just logged in. They're driving a truck. We're going to give them a certain interface. Hey, this right. person logged in. They're managing a team. We're going to give them a different interface. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, especially if you're building it yourself. Um, that's really the difference. You can still have all the great standardization and the benefits of one solution, but just with an interface that's mm-hmm. specialized to the end user. And then they feel, you know, heard and it benefits them and um, that's how it gets adopted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the, then your buy-in is stronger and people are like, okay, I know I have to learn something new, but you did listen to me and therefore I am willing to try it and adapt with it. Yeah, definitely. What's the, uh, just out of curiosity, you know, because we were talking before we started taping, you, you and I both throughout our careers have gone in and out of corporate world and, and the entrepreneurial journey. What, what this time around with this company has been your, you know, your greatest joy of, and, and maybe learning moment as an entrepreneur. Wow. Greatest joy and learning moment. <laughs> I know I just threw that one at you, didn't I? I think this time was definitely around the importance of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, early on in my career, you know, being in a business grad and, you know, entrepreneur and, and seeing things, it was really results driven, right. Mm-hmm. As most young, you know, professionals are, um, and then seeing, being a part of different organizations and seeing the culture and then, um, I think that was one thing that has been great is to make sure everybody's a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it changes everything, right? I mean, when you, when you care about the culture and you're hiring for culture fit, mm-hmm. um, you know, you care for the teammates. And so like we've had our, you know, we've had a great resignation <laughs> experiences last year where these are great people. You still like these people. Mm-hmm. Um and they're going on to other career opportunities and it changes things because, you know, you care for them. You know, we just had someone, you know, find a, you know, get a dream job. It's like, that's yeah. great. You know, we've had people boomerang back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you have the culture, it just changes that approach. Cause I have other friends that are running firms and they're getting like resentful when people are, you know, yeah. leaving. And it's like, well, didn't you care? You know, didn't you, did you care about this person like two days ago, <laughs> just cause they're, they have a, you know, either have the opportunity for their career that matches their, their dreams or you don't. And if you don't, right. and it's not going to be you guys, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I think just going through that approach, I think is, is probably the one thing I'm most proud of is being able to shake someone's hand, thank them for their service. Maybe we'll see you again. And they yeah. sing our praises on the way out, I think is uh, something most companies can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had um, somebody got, this was probably about 10 years ago who worked for me. And, um, when she, you know, called me, she was almost in tears and she's like, I'm so sorry, but I have this opportunity and it's, I've wanted this opportunity for years. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you. And I asked her, then I said, is there anything along the way that we did or didn't do that, um, made you start looking? And she's like, no, I mean, literally people have just always known I've wanted this job. And somebody called and said, hey, this job is open. And she, again, she's all upset. And um, we had a pretty new CEO of that company. 
And he was very upset with me. He's like, why didn't you, why didn't you get her to stay? Why can't you? Yeah. And I said, because I said, I know she's incredibly valuable, but this is a dream opportunity for her. I'm not going to beg her to stay or throw more money at her to confuse her further. Right, right. And, uh, you know, and it is hard to see some of those people go when you have appreciated working with them. But it also, I still have a great relationship with her. Um, you know, there's there's a good feeling there and good vibe. And the fact that she got something that she really wanted, I was really happy for her, even though I didn't want to lose her. Right. Yeah, I think I've, I had a, one of our great team members earlier this year came to me and, and same thing. Hey, found this great opportunity. It's the industry I've always wanted. You know, I love you guys. And I said, well, you know, what could we do better? You know, and she gave me the list of things and I started working on, I had, you know, my, my team and I started fixing some of her suggestions. We definitely want to know the feedback. Yeah. And she texted me like, I think it was a week, a week and a half later and said, I think I made a mistake. This isn't mm-hmm. what, this isn't the company they sold me. And mm-hmm. I responded, you know, she'd be like, can you, would you even take my call? I'm like, well, of course. And by the way, the stuff you talked about in your exit interview, we're already at halfway done fixing those things. Yeah. So she's coming back to a better company. Um, but I, th- I just think that's like one of those great stories where it's like, yeah, we like, you know, we loved you a day ago. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Of course, we'll have you back. Um, exactly. And now you, you better stay this time for as long as possible. <laughs> Well, and what, what respect that showed her too, to say, I asked the question, I listened to your answers, and then we'd start working on it because I want you to know that you're not just going to come back to have things that are still frustrating to you. I mean, some things, obviously there's, you can't fix everything in a business and there's some things that have to happen the way they do, but that shows great respect for her too. I think that's a fabulous story. That's a really good one to, to carry around with you, to remind you on the days it gets tough. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) I love it. Well, Bob, I'm going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody's like, I really need to know more about this guy and his company. What's the best way for them to find you? Yes. You can check out our website is uh, sparkbusinessworks.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn uh, forward slash Bob Armbrister and post, uh, we post a bunch of great stuff all the time. Uh, Lots of free resources on our website in case anybody, um, needs anything, all sorts of ways to make progress without having to, uh, to engage a, a software firm. We have all sorts of, you know, tools and resources on there to, to get going on your own as well. Excellent. I love it. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think if, if you feel like you're behind in, in technology adoption and, and using things and, and kind of analyzing your business, I always try to tell people, you know, don't feel like you're, you're alone and don't feel like it's too late to get started. Um, and if you don't know what to invest in or where to start, you know, think about why your customers choose you mm. and, and start investing there. And lo- oh, that's great. That's really great advice. And it shows you exactly where to look the first place. I love it. Bob, thanks so much for being with us today. You've been a fantastic yeah. guest. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.